0: Welcome to Functional Design and Closure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. We're here to help you use Clojure and functional programming to make your everyday life
1: as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. We're here to talk about closure, what we've learned, what we love, and cover all the different Clojure-y things that might interest you. So what are you interested in hearing about? What are you interested in uh, talking about? We'd love to hear from you. Yes, yes, yes. Please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Send us a tweet
0: at Closure Design, or an email to closure. Sorry, feedback at closuredesign.club would land in our inbox. Hop on to the Closure Design podcast channel on the Clojurian Slack, and we'll chat about some stuff there. Uh, If you have any questions about the shows,
1: um, that's the best place to reach us. Yeah, definitely. Love to hear from you. So this week. We are continuing our trend, our recent trend, mm-hmm. recent news, of talking about core functions in Clojure, and we're going to be talking about the SUM macro, the SUM threading macro, actually. You know, the, the, the threading macros with the word SUM in the front. <laughs> <laughs> not, not just some subset of threading macros, like, oh, you know, we're going to talk about SUM macros. <laughs> Yes. We're gonna talk about the threading macros that have the word sum kind of attached to the beginning of them.
0: <laughs> yes, the 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 specification or the uh the the, the 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 take, the the um you know, these aren't these aren't your regular threading macros. They are they are they are somehow special
1: and uh and and we like them a lot. Yes. So let let the the sum puns begin. <laughs> there will be some of those in the podcast. <laughs> and some of them will not work. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yes, the, the sum threading macros. So, it's uh, funny. I didn't even realize they existed for a while. I don't know how I missed them. Uh, I learned a lot of closure from a buddy of mine, Keith Irwin, and he showed me the threading macros pretty quickly. And I don't know. He maybe he didn't use some. Uh, maybe I just didn't remember when he showed me <laughs> my my bets on number two. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it took me a while to to really begin to notice and use them uh, in my in my closure journey.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think there was. A, I, I remember a time when there was. I was trying to do a thread, like I was threading through, uh, threading something through four or five functions, and and it was like, well, wait, what happens when it comes out nil in the third function? And then I had to break it up. I put that up in a let, and then I, you know, it's like I was I was tearing it apart so that I could add error error checking to the middle, um, and then I'm pretty sure you were the one that said, hey, just use the sum threader, you know, it's just basically try keep trying until you hit a nil and then stop, you know, it's.
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's lovely it kind of reminds me of that uh i don't i don't know imperative pattern where you have a try catch block and you do a whole bunch of operations and then if any of them fail you throw you know as a way of just like quitting quitting out of your little imperative sequence of things you know it's a same kind of idea yeah You, you, you have a whole sequence of stuff to do and if any of them don't quite work out and give you the no answer nil, then boom, you you jump right out. Yeah, it's like uh it's like when you're you have a meeting in the morning at
0: work, you know, for the for back in those days when we used to actually go to the office, right? Um yes. and, 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 and it's at ten o'clock and you leave home with just enough time if you make all the lights on green. So and if you hit one of those lights on red, it doesn't matter which one is red; you didn't make the meeting. So it's not—it's kind of the same uh, thing to applied to error handling. It's like I want to do these five operations, and I don't really care which one of them fails. But I, if if I make it on green, all of them, then then I'll get the my result.
1: Otherwise, uh, I'll, I'll 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 escape. <laughs> right. So so practically speaking, the way I ran into this the the first time is I wanted to take a subtree of a map, right? So where you have nested maps to basically, you know, produce a tree-like structure. And so I wanted to pull out like a sub key and then feed that into a function to do some work on it. And so I think what I was, what I was doing is um, I was using get in before. I, I used to use get in quite a lot. And then uh, Keith showed me that you can just use a threading macro. So you take your like map like like single thread, right? So single arrow. We'll just say single arrow. How about that? And then the map name and then colon the first key, and then colon the next key, and then colon the next key. So you can kind of descend the map using threading that way. And I, I thought, oh, that's super clean. And then what's kind of cool is that it's like, okay, you descend the map to where you want, and then you put a function in there. And then you're you're taking that subtree and you're throwing it into that function to get a nice result out. And so that all seemed well and good until I hit nil. And then um, then all of a sudden I was throwing nil into a function. In that case, that function wasn't nil safe. So so I had a problem. <laughs> I think I got an exception. Probably one of those lovely exceptions like null pointer errors, where they, the underlying Java starts uh, poking through the cracks of Closure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the the,
0: the the symbiotic relationship with the host goes bad, and suddenly the the host decides to poke in. Right? Yeah, I totally agree. I think the the, nil, the protecting a nil-safe function is probably one of the, the the more common uses that I have. Um, like you 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 said you, uh, you were probably pr- like I, I, I always run into this when I whenever I hit uh, a date time like date time parsing. Um, I mean, like yeah. math, math, math is notoriously not nil safe, but, uh, date parsing was one that always, uh, it catches me every time. And I always have to remember to be, to be nil safe. Um, uh, and so if you just p- put that function at the end of the sum, if you change it to sum, sum arrow, then it won't, it won't ever call that function. If, if, if the, uh, if the value was nil at one point, you know?
1: Yeah. And not it, it, it's a lovely idea that, oh, just make all your functions nil safe, but it doesn't really practically always work out that well. And sometimes you don't really want to do that, right? Like you want to have a whole suite of functions that it, they get to assume that the nil handling was done somewhere else, right? Like like they've, you, you, you push, it's almost like you push the nil handling to the edges. And some helps you do that because you can create a sequence of computations that don't all have to deal with nail necessarily, and and then kind of thread them in a beautiful way.
0: Yeah, I think I I saw um, one of the closure maintainers to, uh, say I forget I think it was Alex Miller. who talks about how there's the, the functions that can handle nil are usually the ones that were made in closure land and the ones that kind of expose more of a Java side, those are not nil safe usually. Um, so there is there is some consistency there. It's not like it's like, I don't know, uh, but like a lot of math stuff is just exposing, you know, raw Java to you. And so the raw Java is not, is not nil safe. And so you kind of have to yeah. be wary in that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Strings and math. Those are the ones that get me the most. So if you, you have some math at the end of the chain or some string manipulation at the end of the chain, <laughs> that's where I get tripped up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So one of the less obvious uses of some that took me a while, I think Keith also pointed me in this direction, was the idea of using some because you, you're not sure if, if something worked out. Right? So the idea is, in a let block, you may go and try to, let's say, look up something out of a database. And that will either come back with a record or it'll come back with nil for, hey, I didn't find anything. And then you want to do some work with that thing if you found it. And, and so I've, I've had this situation where, um, y- you, know, you you know let's say you want to take something out of that record... And then that gives you some information. You want to go look that up, right? And then, then you come back with another record, right? And then you want to do some things. And so <laughs> right. if you just have one of these things, there's the whole if some or when some uh, form, which is handy. But when you have like a chain of these, it starts to get annoying, right? The nesting starts to get annoying because you have like when some and then inside when some you have another when some and then inside of that maybe a... Uh, if some or whatever, it's not a win some situation, <laughs> right? <Sorry. laughs> Let the sum puns continue. <laughs> we'll pull win into yes, yes. When we have some puns. <laughs> so the what you can do is you can take like that second definition and you can put it in a in a sum macro. Right. So, like, let's say I, my first thing is, is, uh, I don't know, record, let's player, you know, so we're, we're talking about like a sports player, right? So I go and look up the player. And now I want to go get the record for the player's team. And so I want to look inside the player, but I can do some like double arrow player. And then I can, uh, maybe pick out colon team ID. And then I can thread that into the lookup team function and hand it the database handle, and then, the, and then it will thread the team ID into the last place. And so then now I have a team record. And so what's nice is then that team record may or will either be nil. If players' nil, it will just follow the same, or, or it could actually be the fully realized team. Uh, because the player wasn't nil it looked it up or it could also be nil because the player was there but somehow the team wasn't recorded and so so you end up with this nice way of having like a conditional definition where it doesn't even try to do the work if the first part fails
0: yeah it's really it's really cool because you, we, we, earlier we talked about being able to use the arrow to 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 fly through closure data structures which are pure but what you just talked about is flying through you know I/O heavy code, you know, grab the player, then grab the team, then grab the, you know, it's it can do it be can be doing a whole lot of I/O, but the 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 sum arrow still protects you from 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 having any errors in that. Like it'll it'll, it'll keep stopping. So it's not just about floating through pure data. You it can also involve um, side effects.
1: Yeah, it ends up being just a bit more concise if you use some because you could use and. So you say and player, and then the function call to the database, and then you're repeating that you still have to pick out the team ID out of the player record, right? So you're you're going to still end up with all that. You're repeating player and then the team ID. And maybe for that situation, that code might be clear. The other one is to use when, like I've used when within these let blocks, you know, so when player, and that functions basically is the same as using and in that case, it's just couple more letters (laughs) instead (laughs) uh but then some is very concise right you because it's like okay with some player because you're you're also not only are you depending on the existence of player to do this work but you actually need some data out of the player right so so it's very clear like okay well because i have this player if i have this player i'm gonna pick some stuff out of it and then i'm gonna go use it to look up the next thing
0: yeah, it's a nice it's a nice way of of testing something and then being able to use it right away instead of having to assign it first.
1: Yeah, and then it gets you out of the business of all these nested blocks, right? Cuz it's it's just avoiding nesting is is definitely something I try to do in closure code. Otherwise, it gets really hard to read. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that you talk about, you know, using it to to, to avoid doing IO if the IO is unnecessary. Cause I think that's one of the ways that uh, I, I have started using some, the some arrow, um, some of the some threaders is where it's like, I don't know if I want to do some, si- some side effect, whether it's, you know, uh, log or do some, like, or perform some action. And so like, for instance, we use uh, we use schema a lot. And so sometimes when we, we schema check um, data that comes in, And so we can say some s-check schema, like we check that, and then log error with schema. And so if the schema check fails, there'll be something there, and so the log will happen. But if the schema check passes, uh, there's no log at all. And so it's a nice way of uh, it's not so we don't have to have it in the log where we say like it was okay, it was okay, it was okay, and then there was a failure. We only have the failure log lines, and so it's kind of a it's a way of 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 conditionally doing uh, I/O or sorry yeah conditionally doing I/O um, based on some other other bit of information.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. It's a really clever, sh- concise way of doing a a conditional without having to actually bind a value. Right, because if you if you wanted to do this another way, you might need an if sum, right, where you do the schema check and then you bind the value to a thing, and then you can do your log error, you know, error. Uh, but but because you have to bind the value, it ends up being more verbose, and so it's just very it's very simple and clear to just be able to have a sum and do your computation. And then the next thing in that in the thread is the thing that will use the result of that computation, if something came out of it. Yeah,
0: and and on on the flip side, um, I've often used it when we're in a component, like a component like a database component, where we need to in the, like in the start method we create the database connection and associate it into the um, to the component. But then in the stop function, we want to, if the database component or the database key is there, we want to disconnect. And so you can do like some arrow, you know, DB this, disconnect. Like, so if the database handle is there, disconnect. If it's not, there's nothing to do. So it works in the negative too. It's like, I want to skip this if the data is not found.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because it, that, that key might be nil. Uh, a similar case. That's. It's kind of like the same thing. Is is name. Surprisingly, name is not nil safe. Oh man. The name function. I have to learn so, that again and again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Java is right there to throw an exception to remind you. So helpful. And uh, yeah, so helpful. Thank you, Java, for your exceptions. Uh, so. The name function is not nil safe, and a common thing that I know you and I do is we pick out it, like we have a, some map that contains a bunch of values that were posted via a JSON API, and and sometimes those values are optional, but if the value is present, we want to convert it into a keyword because it's some kind of nominal that we want to match. Mm-hmm. And so a nice way to convert it into keyword for an optional value, same deals with some. Right, so you do sum, and then you you pick the key out of your map, and then some arrow. Right, so when we say sum, we mean the sum threading, (laughs) the sum threading macro. So yeah, and then you do a sum arrow, and then you pick your key out, and then you have name. Right, so if it was nil, it will still be nil, and if it wasn't nil, then you'll get a keyword out. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Um, you could send it to keyword (laughs) in that case or name both ways. (laughs) And so that's a similar kind of thing as with the database, because there's, there's a thing that might may or may not be there. And, and you want, you want it to follow those nil semantics. If it, if it's nil already for not present or no answer, you, you want your whole result to be nil. But if they're, they're, is something there? You want to do some work, and if that work isn't nil safe because it reaches into the Java layers, typically, or or by design, you you try to keep your nils on the edges. Then, yeah, the sum macro is there to help you.
0: The sum yeah. arrow. It's the, it's actually some threading
1: macros. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny because there is the sum threaders, and then there's a function called sum. And then there's a function sum with a question mark at the end.
1: So depending on your inflection, it could be any of those. Yeah, one one of the difficulties about talking about code in a podcast is it's it's hard to pronounce that punctuation with your inflection. <laughs> some? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to
0: pronounce an arrow, man. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's, and then there's all the punctuation that takes so much more space in, in, in audio than it does in the, on the page.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, my favorite uses. So I would say to kind of summarize, when you first get started with the sum threader, the some threaders, it, you know, you you're picking descending keys, or or you you're doing a little bit of picking, and then you want to do some computation, and then you start realizing some other nifty uses where you can do a computation without having to bind the value, which is which is convenient because you you it like for example the schema check if you get a nil then hey it passed right? So great. So (laughs) what what would there be to bind? Like, there's nothing left to talk about. And if it isn't a nil, then pretty much, you know, you're going to want to log error. So yeah, so then you move into the convenience of being able to do something without binding a value. And then in kind of more of these advanced cases that we've used, the idea of having a let block with multiple dependent definitions that just won't happen if the previous thing isn't used, you know, and so then you can just conveniently use some to set up all those dependent definitions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because closure as a language has embraced nil as, as, as meaning something, um, it's not just being an exceptional case, but it's actually something that we, we can understand. And so there's a lot of these things in the language, like some that, you know, that exists because nil is so prevalent, and and it's and it's okay. It's not like it's an aberration, and so we're we, we're comfortable with it as closure programmers. <laughs> Something yeah. like
1: that. Yeah, yeah, and then optional keys have that same sort of feel too, right? When you're dealing with records, like closure has really embraced this notion of open data, open maps, open records, and so being able to handle the optionality of a key being present or not. Uh, in the end comes back to once again dealing with nil in a in an idiomatic way.
0: Yeah, yeah, it gets back to our our theme of being of being idiomatic. Well, I think uh do we have it? I think that's all we have to say about some <laughs>
1: at least for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess I guess we have said some things. <laughs> well, we would love to hear from you. Uh, if there's something you'd like us to talk about, or if you have questions, or if you have some feedback on this podcast, send us a note. You can tweet at us at Design. You can email us at feedback at closuredesign.club, or come on over and hop into our dash podcast channel on the and Slack. Ask us a question there. Ask us some
0: questions there. We will give yes. you non-nil answers. <laughs> uh speaking of non-nil things uh head over to closuredesign.club in your web browser to check out past episodes and show notes they are all there all 76 episodes although this one was 77 so this this will be uh
1: the this will be up there too so check it out that's some kind of, like, temporal circular reference, right? <laughs> While we're recording this, there are 76. But by the time you hear this, there will be at least 77.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, at least. Because mm-hmm. there may be some more. <laughs> okay. Well, that's going to have to do it for uh, all of our sum puns for this week. We will be back next week with even more puns and possibly some answers to questions. We'll see. Uh, utility is optional (laughs) fun is not (laughs) fun is not (laughs) thanks for listening